0: Welcome to the LaRouge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy, and Dan Murphy.
1: Getting things ready to go, JP Eloff at the halfway line, and we'll get things underway in Ontario. 10-12 combo, both from Australia. And the first knock-on, and that is from the ex- former Canadian international, Hugh Bidens.
0: in Toronto, on the way, looking for help. Dan Moore gonna get a pass, and he scores the first try, and history made! One minute into the contest.
2: John Moonlight scored the first-ever try in Major League Rugby for Toronto. Dan Moore, the captain, scores the first-ever Arrows try at home and playing the advantage on the knock-on. A mishandle from Nola Gold, and Toronto takes
0: advantage just 80 seconds in already on the board. Dan Moore! The gift from one Canadian... Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouche Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always... It's too Hardy. Now, unfortunately, we do not have Derek Brissett with us tonight. Uh, I feel like he uh, tried to double down on the, the Pumas and it bit him in the arse. And, you know, <laughs> like he said about me and my gambling and my, my so-called gambling, it's uh, sometimes you got to hide away from those problems. But tonight we have a very, very interesting and special guest. We have the president of the Toronto Arrows, Mr. William R. Webb. Bill, how are you tonight? And thanks for joining the show. I'm
2: great, guys. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to the chat.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of questions, um, and we're going to get started right away. Um, And this is a question that we kind of ask everyone that's been on our show. And and the question is, what got you started in rugby?
2: Uh, It was the most brilliant marketing I've ever seen. So grade nine, uh, Brantford Collegiate Institute, I was uh, growing up. I didn't know anything about rugby in the winter. Just yeah, around November, December, our phys ed teacher and the rugby coach, Mr. Peter Dennis, who's been to a few Arrows games, uh, called all the boys who were into sports like playing football or basketball, volleyball. And he said, OK, boys, come to come to this room at 4 p.m. after school. And I'm going to show you a film. And we went into this room and it was old black and white with a reel on it. And he showed us a black and white version of the 1973 all blacks versus barbarians, one of the greatest games ever played. Yeah. And no one had a clue. Like we're all grade nines. We had no, we, nobody, nobody had played rugby before. There was no club rugby. And we watched this thing in silence. And at the end, at the end, he turns it turns on the lights and he goes, okay, who wants to play this game? And everybody put up <laughs> their hand. and He said, yeah, it looks kind of fun. And, and he said, in fact, if you play and you get selected for the team in Two years time, we're going to go on a tour to Wales. I oh, didn't even wow. know where whale I didn't even know where Wales was. Like, but it sounded good. It was overseas, and uh, yeah, we were hooked. And and in the uh, in the spring, we started uh, yeah playing. And I, I picked it up in grade nine, played all through high school, played at university at Wilfrid Laurier, played club rugby for the Brantford Harlequins, and uh, sort of finished my playing career. I worked over in England in the early mid '80s and played a bit for the Wasps on their third and four teams, but blew out my knee there. And that was the end of my playing career. But when I had kids in the early two thousands, that's, that's when I sort of got back into rugby and it went from coaching U sixes to now owning a, professional rugby team so beware what you get into in this sport <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this question is so interesting and i love hearing about it, especially canadians and and, and yeah. in ontario the, the high school rugby uh, you know is so so interesting you know my i have i went to a little uh, catholic high school in trenton ontario and we didn't have football uh, so it, there was this kind of this power vacuum for rugby and that's what got me into it. You know, I was mediocre at soccer, uh, but big enough to want to play football, but there's no football. So rugby kind of, uh, caught my attention very, very quickly, especially since my older brother played. So it, it was kind of like this, like everyone ended up playing in my family.
2: The great thing about the sport is, and look, I'll, I'll say this from a young age, it changed my life. The whole sport changed my life. And that tour to Wales in grade 11 just rocked my world completely, my whole world perspective. Like there's the fun part, there's the playing part, but I'd never been outside of Canada right? other than the United States. And seeing London, England at that age, and I was a pretty inquisitive kid. Um, it's not a coincidence that when I graduated, finished my undergraduate, I bought a one-way ticket to London, England, and started my career post-undergrad in London, England, in financial services. And I remembered the words of... Our coach, George Jones, the the late late George Jones, the guy's a legend. The Jones brothers set up like nine rugby clubs in Ontario between them. Brantford was one of them. One night we were practicing. It was a beautiful summer night, and we were stretching after a long practice, and suddenly out of nowhere, George is walking around in his beautiful Welsh lilt. For no reason, he says, Boys, remember, if you ever go abroad, pack your boots, your gum shield, and your shorts. And he said, if you, and he said, if, cause if you run out of money or you need a place to stay, or you need a beer or a job, just go to the closest rugby club. And that was it. Nobody said a word. And, but he meant it. And when I went abroad, I took, I took my boots, it took my gum shield, took my shorts and just met a lot of great people. Right. And it, it rugby is like, it's, it's a, it's a community, it's a global community and it truly is a passport. And I still think it retains those qualities, which is really important, which is why grassroots rugby, high school rugby, clubs that tour at a young age, this changes kids, boys and girls. It changes their lives, right? It was the biggest thing that happened in our school, in our high school. The band went, the rugby team went, the girls' basketball team learned how to play netball and played, you know, netball in Wales against the Welsh. And it was like two weeks. And yeah, we got out to pubs at age 16 and all that kind of fun stuff. But it was, a big, you know, coming of age and a very special, very, very special thing, especially for you know kids from a town like Brantford, Ontario, which is basically an industrial, you know, not a lot, a lot of sports going on, but it got us out of our, got us all out of our shells and a, uh, and a lot of people that I went to high school with are still active in rugby all over the province and all over them. Many of them are leaders at the Brantford Harlequins. And that's just a great legacy of the sport and of uh, George Jones, who sort of started it all up there. So
1: Well, uh, focusing more now on the uh, current times, because 2020 has been a uh, different year than we all expected. Uh, Before we get into the big news, we just got to ask, what have you been up to in lockdown? Have you been
2: uh, perfecting the uh, ideal sourdough starter? uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, we've been perfecting the ideal MLR roster, the ticketing strategy. No, we've been as busy as can be. Um, The Arrow's did not miss a beat. In fact, we use, we've used this downturn like immediately in that week in March when things locked down, we went to a remote cadence with our team in the front office. um, And we have two team meetings every week where everybody's on the meeting, all sorts of zoom meetings back and forth. And we've actually added to our staff during the downturn. Like we've really invested, taken advantage of the availability of talent taking advantage of things like the CEWS program with a government subsidizing part of our office wages, which is great. So that's in the front office. Like we're really gearing up for next year in terms of the fan experience and whatever next year looks like. And I know we'll talk about what, what might 2021 look like. And we have like eight contingency plans. Literally we're ready. Like we are, I'm <laughs> not joking. Good. We're ready. Yeah. We're ready for any, We are ready for anything. And as long as rugby's being played in this continent, we'll be playing like awesome. guaranteed. So we're ready to roll. But for, you know, the game day fan experience, uh, you know, Elliot Devine has been working on us planning all sorts of, we're planning all sorts of virtual events. Stay tuned. There'll be one soon around maybe with a Christmas party theme, you know, for our fans and our players and everything. And then we'll do a bunch of things in the new year prior to the MLR season kicking off. Um, We've just hired a fellow named Alex Borthwick, who was a former digital strategy uh, director at Aston Villa He's joined us to lead up our digital strategy efforts. So we're taking that to a whole new level. He's been working for us actually quietly since the beginning of September, but he's just moved. He and his young family have just moved here from Singapore. They just finished their two weeks of quarantine. They're leasing a house. They're buying a car. They've got their parkas and boots, and they're ready to ready to roll. And Alex Alex played uh, age grade rugby for both Wales and England back in his youth. He's a real rugby man and okay. knows sports and digital strategy. So those are the kinds of people. We've been able to attract and add to the team on the player side. The guys have been great. Like they've been, there've been optional workouts through the piece when we've been allowed, allowed to do that here. Some guys have gone home. A bunch of guys have stayed, including some of our forum players. There've been optional practices. I can tell you, the guys are in amazing shape. They, They had workout programs. We had all sorts of meetings. Like there were, there were overall like whole company meetings where the team was there. The staff was there front office where we all chatted and everything and and even rob howley's joined us on some of those because he's rob is now part of the team um but in addition to that the players have been really good about you know setting up small groups to check in on each other make sure that everybody's okay mentally some guys have jobs some guys have been training we've had a bunch of guys just out for the last they finished up yesterday out in uh, langford for the rugby canada high performance camp so 11 of our players, mm-hmm. and 29 other players from across, Canadian players. Our coaching staff, Winneker, Coco, our analysts, have all been out there with Kingsley, Cudmore, Philly Mack, all working together in a high-performance camp, essentially in a bubble for three weeks, and that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, we spoke so to, to Jamie it has not been, it has not been. Yeah, it's not been idle hands. It's been all hands on deck, in fact.
0: So my, so my next question to you then, uh, Bill, is – you know, you, you had, you know, a bit of leading up to your first season and then leading up to the second season. But how is this compared to this, this whole 2020 situation? How hard has it been to kind of run this this team? Uh, and I know you've talked about how great your staff is, but this has got to be taxing compared to the previous previous seasons.
2: The hardest, yeah, the hardest piece has been look at the MLR level. You know, Mark Winnaker and I sit on the, we're the board, we're on the board of governors. We both sit on a bunch of committees. I'm on the executive committee. I'm the chair of the finance committee mm-hmm. for the league. So we've been doing league budgeting and, you know, contrary to things you might've read in some stupidly written articles, like the league is not in financial trouble. <laughs> like we're in great, <laughs> we're in really solid shape. Um, we, um, I sit on the expansion committee and there's stuff going on there. Sitting on the, I sit on the world cup committee because we're getting ready you know, to put in a help with putting in a bid and those will be decided in May, 2022, less than 18 months. Winneker sits on the competition committee, sits on the production committee. So we're busy there like as a league planning for everything like, okay, COVID preparedness, where are we going to get the PPE? Will there be vaccines, testing, testing costs, all that sort of stuff. So it's been, it's been hard. We've been working hard, but I would say the, what we're, what, makes us feel really good about where we're at is we're super happy with our roster. Like this is the best team we've ever had by far. The depth is incredible. Um, the collegiality, the culture is strong and we're ready. We want to get out there and play rugby. Now it was great for the 11 guys who were able to like, you can't imagine how good they felt. I wasn't out there, but I've got lots of reports. This was a serious, serious camp with two intra squad games played during the, during the camp and guys were competing. Essentially this is, it was a look at some of the veterans who are based here in Canada. So there are guys from our team there were guys from other Canadians from other MLR teams. And then there were a lot of young guys from the pride academies and, and a few guys who are you know exiles who we've identified who are Canadian eligible who've been, You know, brought in here to take a look at them to play for because they're eligible to play for Canada, some very good players. So, this is essentially a first look for Kingsley and his staff at who will be on those squads come August in our World Cup qualifiers. And that's going to include a whole bunch of arrows, but it's going to hopefully include was a chance to really get a look at big purpose of this camp was get a look, look at the up and coming talent, Canadian talent. And that was great for Winokur to be able to be there and scout our coaches and Winokur to be able to be there, scout these guys, get to know them, talk to them, um, understand what makes them tick, sign some to contracts, start negotiating with some for this year and for, and put plans in place. So, you know, our planning depth, not only our roster for this year we think is incredibly strong, but the, the the pipeline looks really good for years to come. And with the growth of our academies, it's also including that Junior Arrows Academy. Now we've got kids identified for Canada and the Ontario region as young as 14.
0: Which is fantastic. And that, that's that's a step that I think a lot of people haven't looked at for the future. I mean, you, know, you can have a team that's strong for the next two or three years, but... The long ball is so important.
2: You got it. You got it. Okay.
0: Yeah. So and that's yeah,
1: especially like the junior academy as well. So obviously getting the young guns ready for uh, rugby environments, and then um, how you've demonstrated the pathways into getting into the older academy, and then the pathways, then
2: making it to the arrows. Good. The great thing is like these, these kids, these kids in that, in that junior's Academy, there's 40 of them. Right. And they went through a selection process over 10 weeks. The beauty of this is they've been selected. They've, they've got to maintain those places. Like they've got to earn the right to stay there, but now it's preparing them for their, you know, more of their Ontario provincial level rugby. It's preparing, preparing them for their university rugby, which is a very good environment in Canada. Like, this is where our best rugby players are coming from out the other end for arrows. And it's preparing them, you know, many of these these kids will be very competitive, but they'll be competing for those Canada U18 and U20 slots, right? Absolutely, yeah. And so this is now there is a very real pathway from literally age 14, 15, all the way up to competing for your nation and for MLR. We've never had that before. And the talent that's there is like real and our coaches. And I was in Guelph last week where one of our sessions is, and Chris Silverthorne and Corey Hector were both there looking at fourteen. 15, 16, 17 year olds. That's, and, and these kids are highly motivated. Like they are working their butts off. They've got strength and conditioning programs. You know, I've heard comments from them that uh, they notice the difference in that this is the highest pace and tempo they've ever practiced at, no, you know, good. fewer drop balls. So it's a very, it, 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 they notice that it is a meaningful step up for them that will prepare them for that, for that next level. And, you know, our goal is over time to roll out not only more senior level academies, but we would love to replicate our Rugby Ontario. Paul Connolly and Sean Medeiros in conjunction with Corey Hector, you know, uh, and Dave Butcher have done a great job setting up this program. We would love to see this replicated in other regions across the country, and it will happen. It will happen.
1: So. Absolutely. Sounds great. Um, so our next question is, um, how has the current players reacted to what the team has asked of them based on the current health regulations, especially recently where especially with Ontario and Toronto being in a new banding system and colour system yep. of what's allowed to do? How have the play how have
2: the players reacted to that? They have they have reacted. They have been from the beginning and now they've been like consummate professionals. We have not had a single COVID incident. Fantastic. Um and, and and they have been like they've been practicing right within the guidelines, and even now under the current guidelines, they are allowed to practice in small groups. And so they will be. We've got a little break here because we had the, the Canada camp, we'll have a break for the holidays. But come there may be some a little bit of sessions in December, some optional sessions, and the great these are optional sessions. But guys are showing up, right, which is great. Um, and then in January there'll be some optional sessions. And then in February our camp, our full camp will start in earnest. So uh, the guys been, have guys have done what's asked of them and, and they've been they've stayed healthy and they've stayed like they're looking after each other, which is really important. Like it's that's the you gotta keep an eye on your mates and that keeps you all, you know, healthy and sane. So
0: And what's fantastic about these these optional sessions, you know, you're seeing guys, you know, the young guys like like uh you know, Will Kelly. Uh, showing up, but you're also seeing guys like Mike Shepard without a beard, which is so strange. <laughs> to see him not with a beard is so crazy. Uh, so all the strange things in
1: 2020 Oh, but I'm, sure I'm sure there's it's more to there.
0: come. I'm sure there's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's fantastic. You know, it shows the commitment that some of these guys are, are, are making. Um, no, if you no, see but, if you
2: see some of the videos, so you can see the fun they're having, like we yeah, like try the, to make these
0: the indoor the baseball, soccer game. the ba-
2: the indoor soccer, baseball and yeah. stuff like we're we're like you know what they train really hard. You can see them sweating. They're working on skills, but we're also trying to make it just have some fun. You know, let them blow off some steam, get to know each other. It's that's part of it all too.
0: Uh, Leandro Oliva should bring them all to the, to his uh, polo club and have them all work in the stables. Hmm. I'm sure that would be a good workout for them all.
2: Absolutely. It's, uh, I'm not buying all the polo ponies though. They'll have to <laughs> earn those, earn those themselves. They're gonna <laughs> And Leo, Leo can teach, Leo can teach them all how to ride those who don't, but uh, that, that would be quite an entertaining day to watch. Oh just, boy.
0: I would love it. That, that's like, when, like a, I'm a big, I'm a big curling fan. So it's always my yeah. favorite when like other sports, like that's their like team bonding exercise yep. go and they try curling. So curling. I feel like that's what the arrow should do is, Polo should be their team building exercise once to get everybody back.
2: So we got all these Argentinians coming up too, right? So like they'll, some of these guys probably are pretty handy with the horses too. So, <laughs> yep. you know, we could have a, we could have a polo match and then we could have a curling match and, you know, and with the curling, obviously like add alcohol and bond. Oh, watch yeah. bonding increase.
0: <laughs> um, so looking toward next season, um, you know, we've seen a lot, you know, with, with the Blue Jays having to play in Buffalo and the Raptors now having to play down in Tampa. Has the Arrows been in contact already? Uh, you know, the season is still a few months away, but have you guys been in contact with the provincial or federal governments about the possibility of playing in Canada or in Ontario next season? Sure. So, yep. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, at the moment, you would not be able to play a game, right? And, and um, so we know that. So we already, now, we expect things to change when they will change remains to be seen. But as I said, we've got eight plus contingency plans. One of those contingency plans includes if we have to decamping to one of two locations in the United States and starting our season down there. And I won't say where, okay. Like I just, it's not fair to say at this point, there's no need to, but we have, we have two plans at least there's actually, we can do more, but we have two solid plans where we know we could go play live um, dorm facilities, strength and conditioning, close to a field. And the arrangement would be, the, the, the basic style of arrangement would be with with our fellow MLR team, we would do double headers, right? And, okay. And attract more people and have some sort of a revenue split. And yeah, we're not having full games back here. So there'd be some cost savings on one hand, okay? like you're, But sure. there'd be some misses on the other. And net, net, we know how much extra it would cost us in our budget for the season. And it's all doable. We just want to play rugby and win an MLR Shield. So <laughs> whether we're starting the season somewhere – and again, remember what the, what the Raptors have said is they're starting the season in Tampa. Yeah. They hope they can get back That's here. True. They're starting the season there. We may. I, I hope we don't have to. I hope we start – our first home game, first away game is March uh, 28th. Our first uh, home game is around – Sorry, March. Uh, yeah 20th or 28th our first home game is april the 18th okay. um so we've got time you know we've got time for things to shake out here and whether we're playing in front of no crowds partial crowds full crowds half crowds whatever it is we'll we'll play if we can play here we'll play here mm-hmm. if not we'll play south of the border and we will have a great tv coverage streaming a great virtual experience like we will have a virtual beer garden right like we'll create go. we'll create that you know, we'll create that COVID plague ambiance for, for you know. That's you got to be innovative, right? But we'll, you do. Like, yeah, we're, you we're know ready what? to do it.
0: Stu and I will pool our money together, and if you guys end up playing in Lamport and there's no fans, we'll rent one of those apartments for like a weekend, and we'll, we'll just like go. open the windows and we'll cheer just, and we'll just, scream just, at the top just, of our. Just box. like
2: just like the guys at people at Wrigley, Wrigley Field, right, looking down yeah. on the looking down on the exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you know what? Even here in Toronto, we've got multiple. Multiple locations where we could play because, you know, Lamport's got some challenges. The bubble's still up. There's a large encampment of homeless people there, you know, a result of the COVID around in the parkettes. And we're looking at some ways that we can work with the city to help alleviate that issue, you know. But it's something we have to respect. But we have, you know, York, York University, that new stadium as we speak. And I've driven by and taken photo there, putting down a new state-of-the-art pitch. 5g pitch there full size, not the postage stamp we played on exhibition, full size pitch close to the stands at seats, basically without any additional seating that seats about 5,000 people Mm -hmm. seated, um, beautiful new facility. So that's an option. And there are other options around, you know, um, some people have even teased, "Would you play at Fletcher's Field?" <laughs> <I> said, well, <laughs> April. It's not quite, you know, it's not. Quite not there yet. It's kind no. Of... We're not. We're not. We're not. But uh, we've got. We've got a few really good options here in Toronto for when we're when we're allowed to play. And you know, as you know, exactly. we're we're now on sale with we're now on sale with season yeah. tickets. So people should grab those. And look, it may be uh, word of warning: there may be no singles available. Like if we're only. We're only going to sell up to a certain amount, assuming there's a COVID restriction. As we find out those widen out, we will make more tickets available. But it may be that the only people who have, let's say it's a quarter capacity, it may be depending on where we're playing that there's only you know, 1,200, 1,500 tickets available. So season ticket holders, if we've sold 1,200 season tickets, which is ain't far away from where we are, then you know, that would be the way to get now people who own season tickets will be able, we have a new platform where they'll be able to sell, sell singles off to people and there'll be a secondary market.
0: Oh, fantastic.
2: But if you want to be sure that you and your family get to all eight games, if or whatever we play that are here, I'd encourage you to buy your season tickets. That's just a fact of COVID. So, um, but otherwise, and, and we'll obviously be respecting all the, health restrictions and everything that are in place at the time. We have uh, we have a very strong advisory board, um, including one person who's a clinical epidemiologist and works for one of the larger drug companies. So we're, and, and we stay in touch with the government. So we're abreast of what's going on. Nobody knows the future for sure. And we don't try and for forecast sure. it. We just try to be ready for any. Any contingency, and that's rugby oh. style, right? You just get her yeah. done.
0: Oh, yeah, whatever, whatever,
2: just get her done, play the game. <laughs> I,
0: I, I work for, for a school board, so that's exactly how I've been living my life this last few months is exactly just what you just said. You don't know what's yep. going to happen, so just prepare for as much yep. as you can.
2: Yep, and try to enjoy it while you're doing it. And then there'll be the one thing I know that also keeps a smile on my face is that when we play rugby in front of whatever crowds are allowed, those people are going to have an amazing time like look at how happy crowds were in Southern hemisphere when they got to play like in New Zealand and Australia, people were overjoyed. Right. Yeah. I really look forward, especially if we get towards, you know, the end, let's say we get towards the end of the season, the season will go like the final will be on August 1st, hopefully here in Toronto. When that? And like nice weather in August. And if by that time, if we have vaccines deployed and you're at 50% capacity or 75 or God forbid, hundred percent capacity, imagine the mood people will be, Oh yeah, oh, they'll yeah. be, they'll be, this'll be their time out. You'll be outside. It'll be, you know, relatively safe compared to being inside, you know, arenas and stuff. And I, and I, I can see, I have seen because I've been to a lot of youth practices and stuff that have been going on these Ontario things all, since July, mm. just the a very positive effect it has on people's psyche, not just the players, the boys and the girls, but their parents watching them play. Well, being able to go and cheer on your own pro sports team in your own hometown whenever whenever we're allowed to do that is going to be a pretty rocking party as far as I can as far as I reckon so that's we're looking forward to that keeps us keeps us highly motivated and we're, and we're going to put on a great party when, it, when that time comes Fantastic
1: so um, you mentioned about having the full uh, training beginning in February for the 2021 season um, is that when you're planning on having the entire squad available I know because of uh, restrictions and the mandatory quarantine um, especially for uh, players that have either were with the arrows last year and have gone back home or new players that will be coming after the Christmas period so do you plan on having the entire squad in uh, Ontario for by the start of the training squad are you hoping to have them sooner or
2: so what we'll do is if the the exact date of the beginning of the training camp is yet exactly to be determined it's roughly the beginning of february so if whatever the quarantine period is in place by law at that time players will get here so if it's two weeks Mm -hmm. our foreign players who aren't already here will get here two weeks before quarantine and be here ready to train beginning of february likewise with Rob Howley will be doing the same talk was in touch with him today. He's planning same thing or every, so that's, that's the plan beginning of February. Everybody will have done whatever quarantining they needed to do. They'll show up in shape and we know they will cause most of them are already in amazing shape. They'll be testing and on we go into a, into our training camp for approximately six, seven weeks, um, till our first game in late March.
0: All right, Bill, well, we're going to move into kind of a broader, State of the League um, through Bill Webb's eyes. And and we're going to start with, you know, currently there are uh, 23 Canadians signed to American teams, not including the Arrows, Canadians. Yep. How do you feel about the Canadian presence in the league and MLR? Because this is the largest we've ever seen. And then, you know, there are still teams like Seattle that has a, you know, a good little batch of Canadians that are still unnamed yet. And there's still other people that have been, you know, teased by other teams. So how do you feel about Canada and its relationship with MLR uh, coming into this season?
2: Yeah, well, it's look, it's great. Like the more chant, the only way you get better is by playing more games at a high level, high reps, Lots of games, and we're not going to hire. We're not going to sign every Canadian player, and not every Canadian player necessarily wants to, you know, be in Toronto, which is fine. But I'll say this: um, this is amazing for Canadian rugby that we have young guys who just come out of Canada U twenties, right, who are being signed by M L R clubs, and you know they may or may not start, but they're going to be in a high performance environment. They're going to play 16 games of rugby. Like this is before M L R. No one in Canada or United States, unless they played overseas, had ever done anything like this. And I know what it's done for the, the conditioning and the skills and the culture of our team by going through that, by, by playing that and having those road trips. So it's fantastic in general. As far as the arrows are concerned, we we our, our goal, we say, is to be the destination. You know, first of all, our policy is to be at least 75, 80% Canadian on our roster because one of our goals a we believe there are enough Canadian players who can we can where we can put together the core of a winning MLR team we know that we, we believe we've proved it so far um, and beyond that um, and then there's you know so there' so we want to be 75 80 percent Canadian uh, we want to be the destination of choice for the very best players Canadian players who want to play in the MLR not everybody does, and some guys get contracts, with, and that's great. Hopefully one day those guys will return and play for us if, if, if they're at the right stage in their you know, career. But we want to be the destination of choice. I would say with very, very, very few exceptions, we get the players that we want. Um, and, and no denigration to anybody else, but we get the players that we want, and we pick them in a very specific way. We want players who can have an impact now, we want players who have growth ahead of them and will be part of the Canadian, this Canadian cycle going into the next World Cup and beyond. Some of these young guys are going to have two, three, maybe even three World Cups in front of them. So we're trying to identify the best talent and we're trying to find the players who also fit our, our culture. And our culture is very much one of, about depth and about teamwork. We're not, we, don't, we don't pay top-end salaries. We've never paid a single player a MLR max salary ever. And we probably never will. And we don't think we need to, to win. We think this game is a game of, it's a game of depth. It's a long slog and a battle and it's who's the healthiest at the end of the season. that's going to win. It's not about one or two star players or this whether they're Canadian or whoever, and they got to fit into the culture, whether they're Canadian or, or foreign. And that's, and Mark Winokur and our coaching staff have done, an exceptional job. And I would say the most, one of the most, um, our most important advertising tool for us in recruiting new players. And we can get into some specifics if you want is our current players. These guys go and they know, they know who fit. They know who's going to fit in. They know who's got the skill. They know who's going to fit in. And that goes like these Argentinian signings. We didn't just whip those up out of the air, you know, Tucole and Montero. Like these are guys that were introduced to us by our existing Argentinian and Uruguayan players, and that's incredible. Like that yeah. is, and we'll, we'll get into just, that
0: for yeah. sure later. Um, yeah, and, and it's 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 big. You know, you're looking at guys. If we're going to compare the the guys that are playing professionally now for Canadians, even compared to like the team that was getting picked for the World Cup, it's fantastic. You know, we're having so many guys that are joining MLR now, uh, it's young young and guys looking to finish off their their careers. It's it's really an exciting time. Or
2: for yep. Canadian rugby. It is. And you can see how some of these players have developed, the, the ones who've been in the MLR for a couple of seasons. You can see how they've improved, how they've matured physically, mentally, the whole nine yards. It's, it's obvious. Like, And again, it comes back to you've got to play more games. We never had this pro, we never had a domestic pro league before. That's what was missing. That's why United States is 16 or 17 in the world and we're 23. I think we'll rapidly improve our standings. Like, I think we're Lots of teams ahead of us are within our sights now with what's going on. But the reason we've fallen behind is because we didn't have a pro league. And you can't just gather guys before internationals from four corners of the earth. You need a core that's actually playing together on a regular basis. And that's what the arrows represent now.
0: So, with uh, with the league taking place uh, later in 2020, uh, 2021 than the previous two seasons, what will the impact on the new? World Cup qualification tournament and the international window have on the arrows?
2: Yeah. Well, as I understand it, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, the, the MLR final is going to be on August 1st, specifically so that we're done in ahead of the world cup qualifiers, which I believe are going to be, I know there's been a lot of different things bandied around, but I believe those are going to be played in August, September. Um, and so there'll be some brief period, you know, hopefully we're there in the MLR final and we're going to have a bunch of, hopefully guys are fit. They're certainly going to have had lots of experience and we're going to be able to pull, you know, Kingsley and, and his staff will be able to pull together a, a very credible Canadian team. Look, we almost beat the United States last year. Right. And we didn't have it. It wasn't a terribly, it wasn't a great team. I, you know I think our team this next time around personally, I think is going to be better. I think it's going to be more depth. I think there's going to be a stronger culture. I think there's going to be a greater understanding of, of playing systems and we we've been working very closely with rugby Canada on you know, on alignment a philosophy of how we want to play the game and what that Canadian game should look like so you know I'm certainly hoping for and expecting improved performances during that during that window but the MLR is working closely to make sure we have we don't have overlap with uh, those qualifying windows
0: which has been a little bit of a worry for some fans so it's reassuring to hear it because you know we saw what the ARC in the twenty nineteen season did to the Arrows and and to many other teams, but you guys were were affected the most between the Uruguayans and and, and Canadians that were away. Yep. Yep.
2: Yep. That's uh, yeah, we'll 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 avoid that. Now, there may be the odd international match yet to be announced during the summer where we may let a few guys go for to participate in, but it'll all be, you know, we've done this before and again that's why that's another reason depth is so important. We can afford to we guys and look, even in 2019, we acquitted ourselves pretty well, even without those, without those players, right? So
0: yeah, I, I, was, I was cooking the other night, and I, every now and then I throw on an old arrows game, and I, I watched the, uh, the 2019 game with the Seawolves when they came to Toronto, and that was one of the things they were talking about. That was your, your first back to back win. And they're talking about just the season that you guys had started the 2019 off with, and that ended up really kind of kicking off your all those wins in a row. So it, it definitely did. it it, it, be, it was before we you know you, what you just said. It was an interesting comparable about what was 2021 going to look like. Would it be similar to 2019 where the arrows were kind of now oh, um, taking about with their roster? Now is that one of the reasons why you guys kind of went with so with, with some of these Argentinian players, is that you wouldn't have to worry as much about the selection process with with uh, with Argentina, and you know you'd have them guaranteed if you lost some of your Canadians. Um,
2: no, honestly, I don't think that was Winniker might give a. I think he'd give a similar answer, but it really his it's his domain. But I think it was really just about again we wanted to stick to having seventy five eighty percent Canadians on the long roster, which we will which we will do when you see it all in it. But there were situations where we were able to sign these players at economical rates, because in some cases they really want to come to Canada. Some of them are contemplating moving to Canada. Their friends on the team talked about the Aeros' culture, um, how, you know, how, what it was like to be in the MLR and to travel and see all these American cities. Um, but I would say again, our, our players, our players were our best advertising and, uh, we were able to do it just very economically because there are certain situations where believe it or not, like players just really want to come and play for us.
0: Well, they, they, you know know,
2: they know, they know we're a winning team and they know we got a yeah. good culture and, and they've got their player, they've got their buddies to attest to that. And that's what makes it easier to sign somebody. It's not all about, it's not always about money and we're not of the opinion that signing like our really philosophically, we believe that in MLR, the fans signing a big name player like that might be a global brand. We don't think it really adds that much because most of those players are older in their career, but also the people who would, who want to see those players are already coming to our games. Our challenge in MLR is to get the new people coming to watch our right. games, the Gen Z's, the families that, you know, Getting, you know, getting the kids who play a little bit, bringing their parents, bringing their siblings—that's our challenge, right? It's so, um, it's about winning. It's about getting them to come to a post-match social where they can see these guys and get to meet with them and chat with them, whether they know who they who they are or not. Right? They're just great guys to socialize with and to be able to chat. And having some um, really top-class Argentinian players is—we're uh, very fortunate to have—and and the year and our Uruguayans. We're very fortunate to have them.
1: Um, Now, you've already touched upon the fact that you're on a number of committees with MLR. How strong has the communication been between the ownership for the 2021 season? And do you feel confident that the season will run, I say smoothly in quotation marks, (laughs) as smoothly
2: as possible? Oh yeah. Like the, the, communication level at MLR has been the highest ever, like where we have committee meetings are going on every week of different kinds. The executive committee's meeting. We have a regular board of governors meeting every month. We have an executive committee meeting every month. And then there's one-on-ones, you know, in my, in my role as finance committee chairman, where you know, fine tuning our budget and locking in, you know, COVID testing costs, costs and everything for next year. So I'm on the phone to different, you know, it's like when they see me call. It's like the Grim Reaper call. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh God, he's telling us to stop spending money. Uh, oh. No,
2: I'm telling you. Know, I'm telling them like, what? Here's what the you know COVID testing's. Yeah, it's, yeah we're all checking in. We're all keeping. But uh, no, they they don't think of me as a tax collector. But I, I, I do have uh, you know like we're sorting out of- sorting out our insurance policies and all that for stuff sure. for next year in a COVID era. It's a it's a lot of it's a lot of work. But uh, the the league the league's never been more cohesive than it is right now.
0: Really, it's like that episode of Corner Gas where they had the tax man. He's like, "I'm not the tax man. I'm a tax man." Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, all right, Bill. We're going to move kind of more back into to the arrows sphere uh, of questions, and it's not any surprise to any arrows fans that you know you've got two big holes that left the team. You know, with uh, with um, um, Malcolm and 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 Moore. You know, those were guys that both played different roles on the on on the pitch, but. Uh, you know, had quite the impact, you know, who are, who are some players that you think, um, and, and, that the fans can watch, uh, to fill the void that they kind of left.
2: Yeah, certainly that two great players. And, uh, you know, we wish them all the best. Dan, Dan is actually beginning his career back in the real world. <laughs> and I hear there's, there's a rumor he's, he's, uh, shorn his locks and is uh, auctioning them for charity or something, but he's back to the real world tomorrow or Monday or recording to on Sunday, but he's back Monday. And, uh, but we've told him if he ever gets the urge, you know, we can sign him to a part-time contract or whatever, but he's back to the real world and Sammy's over in Japan. I uh, would love it if Sammy comes back one day, but yeah, nobody's, nobody is, uh, unreplaceable. Um, both players showed a lot of leadership Let, let's look at you know Sammy who played 10 and 15 um, boy we are, we are we're blessed with the signings we have this year we have you know who can play number Taylor Adams has served very well at, at number 10 very capable very dangerous player out there so we got we've got Taylor we've got will Kelly who can play 10. Um, Juan Cruz Gonzalez, who we've signed from Argentina is a, is a utility back who's played, who's also played 10. We have Sean Windsor, the wily veteran who, (laughs) you know, comes in and just does an incredible job. He's just like a steady pair of hands. Right. And he can play both, both fullback and 10. So, you know, we're, we're in good shape there. You know, even, even, uh, you know, Patrick Parfrey, 15 is his natural position, but he's, he's played 10 before. Um, Likewise, you know, Spencer uh, Spencer Jones. Uh, you know, we have him playing inside center, but Spencer, when he's playing club rugby out in BC, can play ten. So we got a lot of options. But I would say, you know, you've got Taylor there, you've got Will Kelly there. Um, when it comes to the wing, wow, well, well, we've added people like you know, and we're at fifteen now. Obviously, we have uh, Joaquin Tukele, world class fifteen, right? Who can also play other positions, but 15's his world-class 15. So you've got there, you've got Joaquin, you've got uh, Gaston, uh, you've got the other players I've mentioned who can, you know, who can play at 15, uh, Patrick Parfrey, right. Mm-hmm. Who's just come off. I think was one of our most solid Canadian players of the world cup. Like Pat is just coming into his own right now. Like I, I think he's playing his best rugby ever, ever. And he's his fittest. And a little secret at the, at the camp that just happened. Guess who had the fastest time over 40 meters. Mr. Parfrey, that would surprise most people. But if you look at the size of his legs and the work he's like, the guy's obviously been doing a lot of work, and maybe he was just having a good day. But he's got, he's got, you know, he's got wheels, and he can play, play fifteen. Um, yeah, so so we've got you know uh, we've got multiple players who can you know play on the wing. Uh, Montero, uh, uh, Leandro gaston you know all can play on the wing so yeah dan dan will be missed he'll be he'll be sorely missed and is i'd say more than yeah, just as much as his play as his leadership but the one thing that dan did was he was very good at, at cultivating a leadership group and i think you've got guys like obviously like lucas rumble who's captain canada andrew Quatrin, who i believe will be a canadian captain one day who shows a lot of leadership in you know on and off the pitch guys like patrick parfrey who just level headed solid players, very experienced. Um, and then you have players, you know, coming into uh, like, you know, Tommy De La Vega, you know, guy leads by example, but man, he is, you know, he is a real presence in terms of leadership having pl- you know played for the Pumas and the way he trains and the way he conducts himself. So on the leadership front, I think we've got a very, you know, a very broad that that's just a smattering of guys that I think have, um, you could step into the fold and, and on any day, either as you know a captain, as a vice captain, or just providing part, being part of a leadership group uh, for the arrows.
1: Absolutely. Um, now, you've mentioned a lot of uh, names that come from South America, and the arrows have gained a large South American flair, shall we say? Uh, mm-hmm. Can you walk us through the decision making on focusing on adding these players to the roster?
2: I'm not sure there's a whole bunch to add. It was, um, you know, as, as the season last season, well, as this season ended, we started, we turned our attention right away. I mean, Mark Winneker and the coaching staff turned their attention right away, knowing that Dan was retiring, knowing that Sammy wasn't coming back, you know, to, to fill some slots. And like I said, you know, our players literally our players came to them I don't get involved in player selection or hiring or contracting at all, but they came to Winokur and they said, Hey, you know, you know, Montero wants to play for it. He wants to play Like you can imagine Mark's like, really, you know, how much? And then like, how much is that? And, do they get, like, you a, do they get
0: like a finder's fee for bringing these guys in?
2: <laughs> I think they get a higher likelihood of winning an MLR shield. They can celebrate <laughs> it. So they, they know their buddies. Uh, you know, these guys just do what's right. You know, they know they, they, they literally would say to Mark, they'd say, look, he's a great player. You can look at his body of work and his film, but I've played with him or the, you know, this guy or that guy I played with them. I know what they're like. And then Mark jumps on the phone with these guys. They all got, they all have to pass the Winnicker test, you know, on, of like by phone or zoom of, you know, culture. And he doesn't decide right away. And then it's okay. What what's it take? Tr- how much salary cap room do we have? And what's it going to take? And the really beautiful thing is, it's not always about money. Like there are players out there in the league who just care about like money, 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 money. And we'll just. I think there's a group of players who want to go. Like I want to be in it. We're a place where I'm going to have fun. Where I have a probability of being on a on a contending team. Um it's in a country where I actually may want to, you know, move to or spend some time with my family. And that's a real, you know, guys are young. You want to, you want to explore, take, bring your young family, check out another part of the world. Now's the time to do it. Right. And Canada is a pretty darn attractive place yeah, on the global scene. Right. Amongst many others in a pretty tumultuous world. And yeah. We got our issues and we'll get our COVID solved, but people, we welcome, we welcome immigrants. We have a multicultural community, Um, there, there's an established, like there's a big Argentinian, like there's a Spanish speaking community, there's an Argentinian community, there's a Uruguayan community here and big Irish community, you know, Jason Higgins is coming to play for us again. How did, you know, what, what was the scoop with Higgins? Higgins was a, you know, playing for signed with Rooney, Mm -hmm. then for some reason they couldn't get his visa or whatever. And they found out he had a Canadian passport. We didn't know who, nobody knew who he was in Canada, right? Nobody knew he had a Canadian passport. This is all part of this, you know, now we have this exile program where we're trying to proactively identify good players around the world who are eligible to play for Canada right away. So same thing, Mark. I reviewed his film, talked to him. We signed him. He played really, really well at this camp, really well. Like, this guy's going to be in, he's eligible. He's signed for the Arrows. He's eligible for Canada. So he will compete for a spot on the arrows and he'll compete for a spot for Canada with, you know, all the usual great players that we, other players that we have too. So it's, it's good. Like it's, it's, it's new blood. It's uh, adds to the mix. And, and uh, you know, again, it's either through a referral or in this case it was, you know, our friend Steve Lewis in New York who said, we I mean, can't sign this guy, but maybe you can looking out for the players, you know, like that's yeah. really good, really good teams, you know, look out for their players and wants what want what's best for them, whether it's at their own team or somewhere else. Right. You got to look after the players for first sure. though and they will remember it. And I think this is why our guys like we look after our players just as human beings or not. And that's why they want to do right by us. And they want to have, they want to have like-minded people around. They, the guys like they play for each other, right? When they're out there, they're playing for each other and for their families, all of them. And so they want guys in the, in the locker room, and on the pitch, who are going to fit in? And you know, these guys. We've had big Zoom calls now, where the guys from, you know, South America are on, and Higgins has been on from Ireland, and we have like this big group meeting, and you know, everyone's getting to know each other on Zoom. But we can't wait to get them all together in camp, and you know, yeah. late January. We've had
1: absolutely. And as a immigrant to Canada, I can agree with many of the points you were making about uh, living in Canada. Uh, Just as a quick follow-up, this is just something that has been on my mind. Because of your uh, South American players mainly speaking Spanish, has there been a consideration of having either a social media account or a version of the website that's in Spanish to directly appeal to
2: those Spanish-speaking fans? Yes, there has has been. Yes, there's been some thought given to that. And... We haven't implemented it yet. Um, likewise, you know, we could do stuff in French for our own Quebec fans who are growing in numbers. Um, yeah, we have, we have, yes, we have given thought to it and we're, and we're going to do, of course, we're going to do, we'll really be cranking up our, our social media and our content this year in all in all regards. So there'll be interviews in Spanish with the players where, you know, maybe, you know, Brock and I don't, I'm not sure who all speaks Spanish on the like the non South America, but players can interview other players and we want it. Yeah. We want to be, we want to be the MLR
0: team of South America. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're getting there. That's for sure. That's
2: where we went. No, we do. We do like the passionate, passionate, passionate fan. great rugby. Um, you know, look at what are you know, Argentina? I had a rough day this weekend, but what they did to the all blacks a couple of weeks ago, like these are these, and these are nations believe me, like we're studying what Uruguay and Argentina did starting 15 and 20 years ago to get, cause this is what we need to do. Yeah. Okay. So Winokur and I speak to general managers. We speak to some very senior people in these, in these unions to understand and study, you know, what would, and they're very, and they're quite happy to help us like, you know, but it was about alignment in, in relatively small countries with spread out populations, you know, uh, how do you optimize? Right. And you needed a professional league. You needed to have alignment between your professional team or teams and the national program. You need to have a talent identification system, which we have, you need to have academies. Yeah. These are all the things. We're, what we're doing here is not like at the arrows, it's not rocket science. We're copying yeah. what the smartest other countries have done and that's worked. And, you know, uh, imitation is the big, best form of flattery and, you know getting having some of those players in the system who've been through it only helps us understand that that sort of process even better.
0: Um, you know, you, you just mentioned Jason Higgins, and then you know we also have uh, Adrian Wattin who's coming uh, back from being in school overseas, and and the Giltinis even just signed a another Canadian uh, Corey Thomas from um, the Sunwolves. And what I'm kind of getting at is is there it seems to be. Um, not a mass exodus yet, but there seems to be a lot of Canadians that have uh, you know, plied their trade overseas that are now making their way back. How important is that, you know, not only just to the Aeros, but to MLR as a whole, to have you know, Americans and Canadians coming back from overseas? Bryce Campbell just signed with the Gronies. How important is it to have these North American players coming back and, and playing, in some, in some cases, their, their home cities?
2: It's absolutely awesome. It's awesome. Like number one, they have a place to come to. Like there is a league. That was the whole idea. If you have a league, you know, build it, and they will come. Um, two, you know, guys want to be maybe back home at a certain stage in their lives and careers. They've done their university, they've done their overseas stint, and then a big element that's you know, and it's it's unfortunate, but we are the beneficiary. Is that you know the the championship in England and and many parts of professional rugby around the world have been vastly defunded, right? The the money's not there. COVID's hit hard. The national unions don't. I mean, they're laying off people left, right, and center. So the opportunities aren't as abundant and as attractive as they once were. So naturally guys look to come home. Um I think, is, I think COVID is hey, us. by the way. Yeah, I was just gonna say Waden is an absolutely outstanding player. You watch what this guy does this year. He is freaky fit, he's big, <laughs> and he's and he's and he's uh, he's got the intensity. He's just a very skilled player. He's gonna have a real impact for us. And he, he did very, very well out at the out of the camp as well. So we're we're excited to have him and, and the others back.
0: I think I think COVID has taught us that anything is that you know, the importance of family and being close to what you care about is so important. I think we've seen a couple players, uh, not only for the Aeros, but uh, for other teams in MLR talk about that, is that, you know, being close to family now, because you never know what's going to happen, especially with the way things are going, is so important.
2: Yeah, we've got a few, we've got a few of our players who this, our overseas players who decided to stay here some went home right away. Okay. Like nobody knew, okay, if I go home, will I be able to come back? Yeah. You know, so everyone had to make their decision and we let them do whatever they want because we, we knew we sort of stopped the season for sure. So it wasn't, it didn't have to be back until January of next year. Um, some players decided to, to go home and now they'll come back. We've had some who stayed here through the piece and, and are going home at Christmas to see their families, right? Like they're, they're, they want to see them. And, and, um, now you can travel and yes, they'll have to do quarantine and stuff. But when they asked us, like, can we go home? We said, absolutely. Please like get that peace of mind, relax, see your family for the holidays, come back here, ready to, you know, ready to rock and roll. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how we're, we're letting people do what it is they want to do. Um, you can only, you know, zoom is great. It's been a blessing that people, but there's nothing like you know, being home in the flesh and yeah. being able to hug somebody, and you know, um, so that's that's how we're handling it.
1: Okay. Well, with the twenty twenty one season um, now with a start date and fast approaching, uh, what do you think the hours will work towards for both twenty twenty one and onwards? And this can be either on the pitch or as an organization. And so yeah. definitely, I know the shield is definitely one of the things you. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of maybe like five year, 10 year
2: plan, sure. How do you want the arrows to grow? Yeah, we do. We do have a, we do have a long-term strategic plan. Um, Number one is we want to be competitive on the field and we'd love nothing more than to earn an MLR shield. And uh, one of the things we will do is we will take that to every rugby club in this country. Mm -hmm. When we do that, when we win it, we'll take it, we'll take it to all, we'll start with the players and getting it to their, their clubs, we will get it to as many possible rugby clubs across this country, sort of like the Stanley Cup, but to inspire young, young people to show that, you know, so don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but that's, you know, a big, a big part of this is, you know, winning because we're competitive and we want to earn that right, but it'll be great for the sport if and when we do. Um, but just, I think us being a very competitive team in our one and a half seasons has done wonders for the interest in the sport what we're seeing in the academies are our second long-term plan is to continue to grow the academy system, both at the senior level and the and the junior level so that we create that base, that pyramid of, of players. And, and uh, not everybody has to play pro, but they're going to be better players when they go to university, they're going to be better players. You know, if they can make it to Canada or a Canadian age grade team, and by God, when they go back to their clubs, they're going to be great players, right? When, whatever age. So, um, continuing to grow, to grow the academies um, on the commercial side. Like we are, and, and we want to help Canada. Like one of our big goals is to help Canada qualify for this next world cup and not go into the repishage mm-hmm. and to get in and to actually you know get in and, and compete at a better level. And I think we're, you know, honestly and objectively, I think if the arrows and rugby Canada do our job together, our standing in the world will approve materially. I'm not saying we'll get back to number 11 our highest ranking ever for quite a while. Yeah. But high teens, mid to high teens over a five, six year period. Is that possible? Absolutely. We have the athletes, you know, we're working on people, you know, complain about, Oh, not enough Canadian coaches. Well, Rob Howley's main job here. And, and one of Kingsley's jobs is to train the coaches. And this camp is a great example of how that works. Jamie Cudmore, Phil Mack, you know, Aaron Carpenter yeah, Pete Smith, Australian, but he's living here. Like he's like, these guys are all now working in the system to improve them with the likes of, you know, Rob Howley and, and, uh, in Kingsley to improve. And they will be your next cadre someday, maybe after the next world cup cycle, who in some combo will be coaching Canada and the arrows. So that's one of our goals. Um, We also are, you know, I'm a finance guy. My day job is investment management, and we are trying to build a world-class sports and entertainment business. It's focused on rugby. Uh, We will invest in adjacent businesses, including, you know, over time, you know, operatorship or owner partial ownership of stadiums, you know, more merchandise, the marketing of our commercial rights as a team. Um, Our goal is, I, I really think it's going to be a while before there's, if ever, before there'll be another canadian team so i think for the foreseeable future we'll be like the raptors will be canada's team and we want to earn that right and we want to be a successful like we want to we want to be a very very successful professional team i love the structure of the league that we're a single entity i love the fact that we have a salary cap that we can gradually raise over time as as the economics allow and we want to continue to bring even more you know world-class sponsors and partners into our roster you know we've We got Honda. We brought in Lululemon, you know, first team. um, And we're working on a lot of big Canadian companies right now. It's not, it's not, and, and small. And it's not just about, um, you know, COVID makes it challenging, but it also opens up opportunities as people rethink their budgets and what they want to be aligned with. And, you know, the opportunity, if you're investing in rugby as a corporation is that, you know, you can invest at Rugby Canada, you can invest in the arrows, you can invest in the, in the provinces, you can invest in turf, the Toronto inner city, and we can help them do that in a very coordinated, seamless fashion. We've done it before with others and we're talking to a lot of really interesting sponsors and we want to put on a, you know, a great game day and we want to sell out our stadia to whatever degree we are, we're allowed to. And I think we will, I think we will keep doing that in a, in a way like we don't just give away tickets. We, we you know, we charge a reasonable price and people have to value what we're providing. And uh, we think we're building a great business. As a matter of fact, you know, I'll share with you, we are doing a, we did our first financing when we started the team. We're doing our second only ever financing right now. We're raising between three and a half and $5 million U.S. And we already have orders in just a few weeks for over 3 million U.S. And there's all sorts of, not only our current investors, and I'll be reinvesting in this round and remaining the majority shareholder, but we have all sorts of people coming out of the woodwork who just love rugby and want to be a part of it. The minimum investment size is 25,000 US. Um, so if anyone's interested, they can text me or email me, Web at Toronto. And, and I do need to speak like anybody who becomes a shareholder. I'm going to should have vet them. Uh, but we've got groups of people and it's just, it's really comforting. Not only that, they're introducing other people. So we are building a better, a, a big Canadian community around the sport. Um, I think arrows are one of the crucial focal points because we're a pro team. It will have. Imp- it is having impacts on the national team. It's having impacts. We, you know, we work very closely with Rugby Ontario, and we will. Be, you'll see us over the winter in all sorts of programs to whether they're indoors or virtual or whatever they are to get more kids playing the game at the grassroots level. So that when we get into the spring and vaccines are available, hopefully we grow that number of kids who are playing rugby. Like schools aren't doing anything. A lot of other sports have just sh- shut down completely. Rugby is actually one that's done you know, at our provincial level stuff, we've kept lots of boys and girls involved and we want to we want to grow the game. So those are, there's a lot of goals there, but that's that's the kind of stuff we want to do. And, you know, I maybe only got 50 more years of life to do it, but that, that's how I plan to spend
0: it. Being an advocate for a sport is a pretty good way to go for your last 50 years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're we're in this off on, on, a, on a fun note. And, you know, I think if I didn't, exclude the arrows. I know what your answer would be. So, so Bill, who, and you know, we, we did a whole episode about this last week. Um, but who is your favorite non arrows 2021 kit for MLR? Uh, I did, I
2: did like the free Jack's kit. I like the free Jack kit. Yeah. That's one that caught my, you know, I honestly didn't spend a lot of time looking at the other (laughs) ones, but, um, I, I, you know what? I thought generally they were, they were quite well done um but i liked, yeah i liked i liked the free jacks kit are you, that, are you, that was great.
0: were you uh pushing hard i know that on the facebook when when that uh pilsner prop pilsner came out you were teasing about the collar are you you pro collar or was this something that's other people had to like come on bill we're gonna do this we're gonna make oh this no a no i was like pro
2: i was pro look it was it was winnaker's idea he was the, <laughs> he had the inspiration and he does everything to do with kit but as soon as he told me i yeah, went what about this i said yeah, absolutely go for it that'll be <laughs> and it and it's and it's freaky because my high school it's exactly that that collar jersey is exactly like my high school jersey was at prayer for collegiate so lots of we didn't have the yellow num like the yellow piping on the on the numbers but uh it brings back lots of good memories but that was completely coincidental completely (laughs) coincidental but that is of our kit of our three that's my favorite that away that new away kit is really catchy
0: Well, Bill, we really appreciate this. And uh, if it wasn't for Stu, I would have forgotten to mention this, but this is actually your 50th 50th episode of the podcast. So we appreciate you being part of this momentous occasion. And uh, uh, we we really appreciate taking the time to answer our questions and and really kind of giving a little framework of what, what we should expect, you know, going into next season.
2: Well, uh, well, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Like lots of great questions and and thank you for all you're doing to not just, you know, promote the arrows, but rugby in Canada and rugby generally in North America and the league. It's, uh, we we really need folks like you to, you know, educate and entertain and uh, keep us all on our toes and, uh, yeah, thank you for having me and give my best to Derek. Sorry he couldn't be here tonight. I always enjoy chatting with him too, but uh, thanks a lot.
0: I'm sure he'll be harassing you eventually. <laughs> he, he's, he's insatiable. Um, he is. <laughs> now, now, Stu, if uh, anyone wants to find our previous episodes or uh, listen to us rambling on social media, where can we send them? You can find us
1: on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify. Just search for La Rouge Rugby.
0: And you know what? I wanted to do that because I love how he says Twitter. It sounds so much better than our Canadian accents. Twitter. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, uh, we've got a really exciting guest next week. So uh, stay tuned and enjoy your week.